Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a while since our last episode together. Um, I decided to take a little break. It wasn't actually intentional. I think what occurred was that with the um, between all that was going on with COVID and trying to manage um, my own like uh, transition in my life of working from home and then working, then going back in the office when most of my staff and my office was still working remotely, kind of being on a, a little bit of the like going in every day. There was some transition with that. It just became a lot of um, a lot to manage what was actually going on in the world and also managing the podcast. And so I took a little bit of a break, a hiatus that turned into a pretty long hiatus. I haven't had um, an episode probably since the summer, but I wanted to get back to it. I think it's a good time. Today's December 1st. It's a new month. We're about to end this year of 2020. And I thought it was a good time to to begin doing the podcast again. I've figured out the uh, mental bandwidth um, is there now to do the podcast and be effective. One of my goals with this podcast was to always be able to um, speak, not because it was a scheduled podcast, but because I had something to say. And it got to a point where, um, again, with all that was going on economically and, and financially in the world with COVID and and the, re- the response to it, and there was so much about that. And again, there are times when you just have to let life speak for itself. But I'm back and there's a lot to discuss. So we have had a lot go on in the last couple of months. So this episode is going to try to cover a bunch of those things and then we'll get back into the groove of things probably next episode with a few topics that I've been taking note that I want to discuss. Um, and some of them I'm going to cover today. So some of this may feel like it's a little all over the place. I hope it's not too much. And I'm glad to have you guys back. I'm glad that... um. For those of you who are new, I know there've been a lot of people who've been catching up on the podcast um, in the last couple of months. So I'm glad to have you here and to all of my listeners who are always here and, and listening. Welcome back. So what has been going on? <laughs> what hasn't been going on? Um, so in terms of, of life, we we are kind of like, unfortunately, now heading back into the um, an, another upswing of, of COVID-19 and therefore um, probably more restrictions on how we move around until we get to a point where we've resolved this pandemic. Um, but what we saw and since since we've last um, kind of talked is that, you know, and on the federal government, they had not extended the unemployment, um, the additional $600 that the federal government was providing for unemployment, which was carrying many people over from about March to August, um, giving some people additional money more than they had, because that turned out to be about $75,000 a year. Um, and there were, you know, people who didn't earn that were getting that. And there were people who were earning less than who earned more than that, who were getting that, which was helping them to sustain and pay their bills. Um, and, and at the end of, um, I think in August or the beginning of the end of July, early August, Um, They did not renew that. And so therefore, folks were back back to depending on the basic unemployment that comes from their home state. For a lot of people, particularly if you live in New York, that's maybe about um, $500 a week as at the max. Um, And for other places, it's even less. So I think what we started to see here was that um, there are disparities with by state to state. Um, There are ways in which different types of administrations handle unemployment and during this pandemic unemployment became a crisis similar to that of the 2008 time where you see that 
you know, a different where you live is really contingent on how you are, how you and your family are managed through crisis. We're seeing that in a variety of different ways in which different states leadership is managing the COVID-19 crisis. You see that in the ways in which the unemployment is disparate. The systems itself are very, um, very different. And then the systems of, of and the ways in which they choose to allocate those resources really dictates to you how um, the views of one of certain type of leadership has about what it means to be unemployed and how that should um, how being unemployed, how the government should help you when you are unemployed. Um, in this situation, they've become people who have become long term unemployed, which means that their jobs are probably gone and not really coming back. And in those instances, some of those people are leading upon, let's say this is now December, this crisis began in March. Some people are looking towards what will be their one year of being unemployed and being on unemployment. And in a lot of places, one year is the maximum that you can be on unemployment, uh, be eligible for unemployment. So there are some folks who are concerned and rightfully so that their unemployment will end um, or will look to end soon and then they won't have any um, form of 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 income during a time when maybe for them this is not a, a, a time that they can you know, earn money many parents have had to make sacrifices as it relates to virtual learning um, so that their their children so someone can be home with their children so that they can um, do the you know participate in virtual learning that's been a real hardship for many families um, particularly um, parents families led by a single mom or single dad um, there's, there's just been a lot of stress on, on folks and, and I'm always a big, and, and these are financial stresses along with life stresses. But for this podcast, we're talking about the financial stresses of it is that, um, they're the, the, the focus on being able to earn money and having to make choices as it relates to you taking care of your family financially, but also taking care of your actual family. If you have children who are in school is a lot, it's a lot of stress on, on families. Um, you see a lot of people have moved back home. Um, uh, in, in New York City, particularly a lot of young people who were living on their own, um, paying very crazy rents. Their parents might have been helping and pay really high rent so they could live in Brooklyn or Man- Manhattan and have a ball. Their parents were calling those things in like, well, if, I'm, if you're remote, working remotely, I'm not paying for you to live there. Bring yourself home. So you see a lot of families who are kind of being blended back with adult children. A lot of universities went remote so that children who normally were away at school were home. And again, there's another financial burden to that. Um, and, and again, on top of all the emotional burdens that come with these different changes and adjustments to lifestyle. So there's a lot there um, and a lot that we've been kind of going through collectively as a group for the last, you know, nine going on 10 months. It's, it's been tough. So there's also been changes for our money. Um, for some of us who who remained employed during this this period of time, there may have been people who took pay cuts. Um, there might have been people who had to take a pay cut in order to retain their employment. And in, in that instance, you've been kind of living with the with the pay cut. Those pay cuts could have been restored by now, possibly. Um, and you could be seeing more money coming back into your pockets for those who are home working remotely, um, but did not experience a pay cut. There might have been some savings that you had experienced and money that you've been able to put to the side. The question now becomes, what do you do with that money? Um, there are folks who are home working remotely but need to <clears throat> make some investments in their home in order to make remote working work for them. How do you do that? How do you reallocate resources for that? And these are part of the ongoing conversations because we're living in a different world, you know, financially. Um, whereas these things, these things matter, right? Um, what I what I know a lot of us saw during a crisis like this is that 
when crisis hits, your finances being stable, as we've talked about in this podcast for many, many episodes since the very beginning, are key, right? Because when you think of all the things that you will be able to access or you hope to be able to access in a crisis, you find that if your finances are something you can't access, if you don't have them in order, if your money, if you don't have savings, if you don't have contingency plans, you can find yourself going from living one type of life to a very challenging and difficult life very quickly. It can happen just like that. And and to that effect, we wanna be able to now go forward and plan um, plan ahead and plan again for um, the all these contingencies that can come up when things just don't go the way we expect them to go. No one expected in March when this when this pandemic began that here we are, we would be in December, on December 1st, still not back to a quote unquote normal or even into a, 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 a functioning new normal. You know, we are still not clear on when schools will be open consistently. We're still concerned about um, college students going back next semester. We're still concerned about when restaurants and bars and things that people people's businesses will open. We're talking about gyms and, and, and working out facilities, and we'll get to working out in a minute. Um, we're, we're concerned about wh- whether or not we will be on, on restrictions for celebrations and weddings and even funerals, you know, and, and all the while could being concerned about catching a virus that could potentially kill us. There's a lot of stress here. And the financial aspect of it, when you have financial freedom, you're allowed to think about one less thing in a very stressful situation. Um, but uh, but it doesn't take away that there's a, that even if you have your finances 100% straight, this would be a traumatic, stressful situation anyway. So we came down to having the, to focus on the election the last couple of months. And I will make no secret of it. I was very much stressed out about the election because I could not imagine how we would sustain another four years of Donald Trump. And um, my people came through. My people came through. And I want to shout out to black women. All, above all else, I want to shout out black women. Because black women are people are 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 the, the we see danger, we see it all the time. We can see it coming. We see it before others, and we're able to identify it. And then one thing that we've done over the course of history is act in the best interest of the collective, even sometimes to our own detriment, in order to save everyone. Because we run, we understand that in saving everyone, we save ourselves. So shout out to black women who stepped to the stepped up to the plate back in South Carolina last year to put Joe Biden into the position that he was in to move forward into the primaries. Shout out to the black woman, Kamala Harris, who Joe Biden picked to be his running mate. And shout out to the black women who then began to organize extensively around their cities to ensure that people had access to the vote. Shout out to Stacey Abrams in Georgia who flipped the state of Georgia into the Democratic um, column by getting people on the ground, organized and registered to vote. Shout out to the black women in Milwaukee, in Philadelphia, in Atlanta, in, in, um, in, in, in all over, right? Who contributed to those numbers, I'm sorry, in Detroit, contributed to those communities, getting their people registered to vote. And shout out to the black people in those cities who turned out and use their voice to flip these states to into the right direction for Joe Biden. Because this election for Joe Biden was won in cities, in black communities, 
on the backs of black people. And not that there's 80 million black people that voted for Joe Biden. That's not my point. My point is that black people where they had a tipping point, where there was a point where they could tip this election, they did. And they utilized the power that was there in the community they have to tip this election so that Joe Biden would come away with a clear win. Joe Biden has been clear that he's going to leave the party with who came, who he came with. And that was demonstrated in the choice of Kamala Harris and many of his other choices, the, the choices he's had of the black women that have been around him. And, um, and we hope to look forward to the future that he will do and live up to the things that he has said he wants to do. But this election was an additional stress. Um, and that the election itself is not a remedy for what we are dealing with as a country, as a nation, but it should help you to look towards some things financially that may be helpful. So if you are a person who's unemployed, you're likely to see that there will be, um, there will be things that will be done to try to come up with a package so that um, unemployment can be resolved and, and that people can have some sort of stability if they're going to be long-term unemployment due to COVID-19. You will see that there will be some relief on student loans. You will see that there will be some relief on um, some tax relief that will come. These are things that you will you will see if you make under a certain amount of money. These are things that you will see. They will not be immediate, but you will see them and they give you something financially to look forward to. If you're into the markets, which many of us are, if we have 401ks and retirements, you're seeing that the markets are responding very well to the idea that Joe Biden will be the president. The markets are responding well to what they consider to be stability. And the fact that he will raise taxes only on a certain level, the market seem to be responding pretty well to that as well. So if you are not earning over $400,000, you don't have a problem with Joe Biden as it relates to taxes. You may say that you have a problem with it, but you don't because the, the only taxes that he plans to increase are those on people who make over $400,000. So if you don't make over $400,000, that's not your problem. Um, there are some changes that, Many of us have student loans. The changes that will be made potentially to student loans is one proposal out there that would be the relief of the first $50,000 of student loan debt, just a clear relief of it, talking about government-backed student loans. For many people, that is life-changing. And for many people, it will be the proper stimulus that the economy needs because then people will be relieved of a certain amount of debt that prevents them from moving forward with large-scale purchases that will continue to stimulate the economy, including purchasing homes. So that's a really important thing. So the election is a big change for us financially and one that we um, can look to and think about um, and consider uh, for the future and getting ourselves kind of set up in order to be able to reap the benefits of what is to come under a new administration, under a Biden-Harris administration. You know, it is, it's not easy to kind of get through these things um, these when we're in this nationwide this catastrophe and to think about the future but as we end 2020 we have to start thinking about the future because the future is going to come upon us it may not look like the past but the future is coming and we don't want to be left on the sidelines not thinking about it and not preparing for it financially so one of the things um, I want to talk about in a whole episode, but I'm going to broach it um, slightly here, is how COVID-19 has demonstrated what we already knew that there's a lot of income inequality, but that COVID-19, which is a virus, which is something that's supposed to be a great equalizer, showed itself to not be so. While there are people who, uh, who have means who got the virus, the treatment that people got was different. The care was different. The access to care was different. The access to testing was different. You're seeing it now over these holidays where many people 
who were lined up on, on the streets to try to get testing before they go visit their families and because they can go to um, places like CityMD, which give you access to a, a, a test basically for free. You were seeing that celebrities are and uh, celebrities, rich people, sports things, sports um, organizations, different sports, NFL, NBA. You're seeing um, Hollywood. These people are given access to testing so much so that they're able to participate in what looks like their regular lives on a regular basis so that they can continue to them earn money and earn money for other people. So you're seeing that, you know, for example, the NFL is testing every day, testing, testing, testing. They have access to tests, but you have hospitals in certain places where they don't have enough access to test all of their nurses and all of their doctors. You see that the 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 Hollywood is being able to film shows, shows like The Voice are able to film. These are live shows they're able to film because they're testing everyone every day. They have access to testing. I just saw it, um, that over Thanksgiving, Cardi B said she had 25 or 30 people at her house for Thanksgiving. And the reason she was able to do that is because she was she paid money to test everybody. So she has access to testing because she is able to pay for it. But you're seeing that the school systems don't have access to testing. You're seeing that, you know, there are people, there are jobs, there are places, there are people where there's testing still, there's still a testing struggle. Yet and still, if you have the money, you can get access to testing. That is a, that's a disparity that we're seeing in the world that's demonstrating, right? If you have access to power, as we saw when the person in the White House got the coronavirus, he had access to things that other people don't have access to so that he was able to come through it much quicker and, and less with less what, what appears to be, we don't know, without long-term um, effects. Yet the same, if, if that exists, if that, if that treatment that he has exists, why isn't it that everyone isn't getting that treatment? The reason is because there's a disparity, right? And some lives are valued more than others. And you see that when, when we talk about these type of disparities and how this virus has been um, been handled. And so it's also why financial freedom is important. It's not about getting rich. It's about having access. You know, there are times when, you know, this holiday season, the lines were very long in New York if you wanted to get a COVID test. I'm somebody, you know, full disclosure, I've been tested for COVID probably now 10, 10 11 times. I've, I, I get tested because I'm somebody going to work every day, interacting with people, at work and although we wear masks and we keep distance I feel more comfortable knowing that I have been tested so since March I have gotten COVID tests on a pretty regular basis when as much as they were available and then I started to get them done probably every week or two when they became more widely available um, and without such a long line that was for my own personal because I felt it was important to know um what out because again I was out and, and at work and um kind of in, in uh, interacting with people whereas I wasn't in the comfort of my home um but that access should be for everyone right but there are times when if I was to say you know what I want to go to Thanksgiving with, with my family and I want to go it's not that you couldn't get a COVID test in New York you couldn't you could not have access to the one at City Med which had a seven hour wait because that's the one that you could get for free or through covered in your insurance. You could pay. You could pay $150, $200 to get a COVID test so that you can go do what you wanted to do. We're talking again about disparities that come up when it comes to finances. And you see that if, in fact, you are just kind of stringing it all together, then you don't have an extra $200 to pay for that. And is that fair? And that's the question mark, right? 
But I say to you now is that in what we're seeing is just a demonstration of all the things that we've that we've always talked about on this podcast. That no one's going to create the financial freedom for you. No entity, no space and place is going to create the environment for which your finances are in such a way that when it push comes to shove, you're able to make the decisions that are best for you and your family. And so we have to see and think about that our very, our virtual, our very lives are on the line and this was related to this virus. And there are moments and places and spaces where we haven't been able to access the same things as other people because of the differences in money. And it's one of those moments where I'm reminded how very important financial freedom is and how very important savings is and things like that, because you shouldn't be shut out of an opportunity to, to take care of your, your, your life and your family's lives because you don't have the money. And while that shouldn't be the case, it is. And so in this time, we should at least be able to think about putting aside money so that if we did need to get, if we were feeling ill, and we needed to get a COVID test, it wouldn't require that we stand on a line for seven hours or it wouldn't require that we show up in an emergency room in order to get it. But that's just a demonstration of a problem, a much bigger problem, and not necessarily one we're gonna solve on this podcast, but something I wanted to highlight because it frustrates me to see that 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 disparity keeps showing up. And this is one of those things where things are life or death and it's so and it's still showing up. Um, but I'm gonna do a whole episode on that. Um, also want to touch really quickly on, cause I don't want this episode to be too long. I want to touch really quickly on the fact that many of us have been able to save money. You know, I I'm hopeful. I don't want to speak on, on everyone. I know that this has been a struggle for a lot of folks during this time, but for those of you who have be, been able to save money because you aren't moving around in the same way, you aren't doing anything. I, for one can speak to the fact that, you know, I, you guys know this about me. I'm a traveler. That's what I spend my disposable income on. I haven't been able to go anywhere. Um, Luckily for me, I traveled twice in January and that was it. I went to Canada for my cousin's 40th birthday. We went skiing and I went to the Bahamas probably the same week. That was a busy week and that's it. That was the end of my traveling for the year of 2020. And so I've been able to save a lot of money I would have spent on traveling by um, because I don't travel. So I paid off um, all of my credit cards are at a zero now Um and I was able to, um, I've been able to pay more on my car note, been able to pay more on the principal on my mortgage and still been able to save because I'm taking that money that I would have been spending and putting it, putting it into these things, um, so that I can bulk up my savings, but also pay down on bills and debt. So paying more on my student loans, things like that. So I wanted to talk to you guys about what are you doing with the money that you've been able to save, no matter how much it is, are you, how are you, how are you dealing with that? And, and again, that'll be a separate episode as well. And then also to wrap up is that how are we going to move forward in our new normal? Um, you know, this is it. This is where we are. Um, I do believe that things will go, will revert in some ways, but I just don't think they'll ever look the same as they used to. And that's okay. Things have to change. But from a financial perspective, I think some of the things we've talked about in this podcast are things that we should stick to. And actually dig in our heels even more because financial emancipation is 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 really really going to be necessary in this next phase of where we're headed, and we don't want to be left behind. So, if you haven't already done so, go back check out some of the very beginning episodes, get to the foundation of of what the podcast is about, and let's get ready to jump back into weekly episodes um, discussing finances and how to get our financial freedom because we deserve it. We need to earn it, but we deserve it and we have to work for it. 
So I thank you so much for listening today. If you haven't already done so, follow me on Instagram, Financial Emancipation. Follow me on Twitter at The Financial Emancipation. No, The F-I-N Emancipation. And um, if you want to send me an email, Malik at Malik at TheFinancialEmancipation.com. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. And I can't wait to keep talking to you guys again um, as we discuss ways in which we can walk towards our financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day.